the Blake Street banter where I'm the only one because life has caught up with us. Two of us being in education and one just constantly saving seals and seagulls. Uh, the fact that he likes seagulls is super weird. Um, life has just caught up to us. We don't have time to sit and talk rocks for 30, 40 minutes, but we have content still coming to you. <laughs> Take that. Enjoy that. So we're going to make this a Fresno Grizzlies pod because we sat down with Julian of the ticket office where he just sits and talks ball with me and James for about 30, 40 minutes. And it's fantastic. And then uh, Blake Goldsberry, a pitcher for the Fresno Grizzlies from the Colorado area, went to school at Kansas. Uh, he's really fought for everything he's got, which is really cool seeing where he is now and just kind of dominating. You can see where his season started, literally the first outing, which is wild, to where it is now. He is doing very, very, very good. Shout out to the Goldsberry crew, who's, uh, I know, listening because Papa Goldsberry. Yeah, whatever. We'll leave it at that. Um, sit back, listen. We got two interviews. But before we get into those interviews, like I said at the beginning, right? Fresno Grizzlies podcast. Let's just drop some numbers on you. Drop some knowledge on on you. Uh, a lot of talk about the prospects and the farm system rankings and all this, all that. Hopefully, us three can get together and inform you a little bit more about that next week. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, but Blake Goldsberry, he's on the he's on the pod. So let's talk pitching first, right? The pitching on this team is fantastic. I'm just gonna say that right now. Um, they lead the low A West. We're just going to state this right now so I don't keep repeating myself. Everything you hear today is about low A West. They lead the, the league with 3.66 ERA, about 10 points higher than the next team, the San Jose, I don't know, probably Earthquakes. Nope, that's the soccer team. I don't know. Um, doesn't matter, right? They're not part of the Colorado Rockies. They lead the league in saves, in 34 saves out of 44 opportunities. Um can't go wrong with that. Our boy Dugans was part of that. I think he had a few. Um, not sure who has all those saves now, but whatever. It's part of it. Uh, innings pitch, not going to worry about it. Runs compared to earned runs, right? They lead the low A West with only 402 runs allowed. 20 runs better than San Jose. Um, strikeouts, not their forte. They don't strike out a lot of players. They're sixth in the league with 948, where San Jose is leading the league with 1,156. Uh, so they're getting guys out with contact, pitching to contact, doing what they need to, because the whip, again, leads the a, uh, low A West with a 1.24. So they're not allowing, allowing walks, they're not allowing hits, and they're taking advantage of playing to their strengths, their defense, the contact. It's great. Yeah, they lead the league in walks allowed, too, with 311. Rancho Cucamonga, 317. Good thing we're not Basalia, right? 493 walks on the season so far. So they are doing their thing on the mound and doing what they need to to be a 63-33 and 33 team. And might as well tell you, they are leading the low A West in wins also. Three ahead of San Jose, who has 60 wins, and Modesto with 53. So the pitching staff... Blake Goldsberry, part of it. Our boy Dukes was part of it. As Sam Weatherly, friend of the pod, have been doing their thing for the Fresno Grizzlies. It's been fun to watch. Now, the hitting, a little bit different story, so it's really cool that they are still winning, um, doing the way that they're supposed to. They have, uh, where are we at? Middle of the pack, fifth in the league, out of eight, 536 runs. We have... 
uh, 81 home runs. Again, fourth in the league. Six behind Vasalia with 87. Rancho Cucamonga has 138. But with that said, let's look at Rancho Cucamonga strikeouts. 1,041 strikeouts. For the Fresno Grizzlies, 834 strikeouts. Not striking out, making contact. Kind of the same philosophy as the pitching staff in a weird roundabout way, right? Um, we're not walking. The Fresno Grizzlies have 289 walks on the season, which is the lowest amount uh, for the low A West. But when they do, when they are getting on, the stolen bases are by far the ahead of, ahead of everybody by 25 stolen bases. Uh, so they're doing the thing. They also lead the league in average, 272 average, two point two thousandth of a point above Modesto and Lake Elsinore. And they're slugging middle of the pack, 419, OPS 757. I mean, it'd be great to see that OBP go up a little bit. But, I mean, if you're hitting, if you're getting on base, you're not striking out, and you're taking advantage with those stolen bases, every time you're on, you're in scoring position, and then you have the guys behind you doing what you need to. So, again, fun team, as our boy Steven Rice would say. Man, the Grizzlies have been nice to us. Um, it's just... The numbers are there that there is skill. And you know, low A, it's constantly revolving door. This team has not been the same the whole time. As we see at the leaderboard, we got Ezekiel Tovar and Grant Levine, um, number two and three in OPS for the Fresno Grizzlies. They are up in Spokane for about the last month doing the thing up there. So revolving door down there. Um, Zach Veen, <laughs> we all love our Veen, right? Just incredible. 909 OPS, batting average of 301. 22 doubles, 14 RBIs, 100 hits, obviously best on the team, 335 at-bats, by far the most at-bats. They are just letting him figure it out down here. I do not see him being promoted with absolutely no inside information. Uh, it's just a sweet seeing a first-rounder do his thing, right? The walk rate and strikeout rate, it's like two to every one. I think that's good. I'm not sure quite what the number is. 104 strikeouts to 52 walks. I'm sure Twitter can tell me if what's a good number is. Probably wants to low in that strikeouts, but he's doing his thing. Stolen bases, 30 stolen bases. Um, yeah. As I said, Grant Levine is going to be a friend of the pod coming up soon. Um, he led, He was on the team for a little bit. He had seven home runs, 40 RBIs. You'll hear about a walk-off with the conversation with Julian. 281, 830 OPS. And Ezekiel Tavar, if he's not your favorite shortstop prospect coming up for the Rockies, you probably need to get on the Tovar train, um, even though he probably won't wake up for it. Again, a pre-joke for future conversations. But this team is fun. If you get a chance, if you get that MILB TV app downloaded, the Fresno Grizzlies are going to be in the playoffs. They'll be on the TV. can watch that um, as we fight through this 2021 Rockies season. Baseball conversation with Julian, athlete conversation with Goldsberry, uh, just fun conversations that you can lean into, take it at your will. Julian's is about 40 minutes, Goldsberry's is about 30 minutes, take it how you want, take it in, take it out, and hopefully we come back next week with some Rockies updates. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by absolutely nobody. Hit up the link tree, find the blogs, find the YouTube subscribe resubscribe leave a review on the apple pod whatever you want just give us some love retweet us share it to your facebook friends and even instagram it i don't care just just share the word right 
With that being said, sit back, relax, enjoy this pod, this conversation, and um, hopefully we see you next week, if not in two weeks. Go Rocks and Grizzlies. Woo! Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. James, say hi. What's up? And Julian, say what's up. What's up, everybody? This is Julian, uh, Fresno Grizzlies ticket office uh, dude, just doing his thing, hanging out with us today. And uh, we're just we're just trying to make our rounds around Fresno. Um, everybody's been just super nice and willing to hang out with us and talk ball. And so let's do it. How how did you, the listeners, want to know this? How did you get into the ticket office game? Uh, so it's actually kind of an interesting story. Uh, my degree is in culinary arts and hospitality management. Uh, so at the time in 2019, I was working for a restaurant out here in town. Uh, decided to kind of switch up my career path and uh, went to a job fair at the stadium and met the current boss, Eric Moreno, and another one of the bosses at the time. And uh, went through the process of interviewing, got hired on as a game day staff member. And, you know, just really took advantage of being able to have a job doing something that I like being around the game of baseball and uh, just through everything that's happened with COVID and the shortening of staff and all that. I've been fortunate enough to be uh, one of the few people brought back. And here I am now, you know, just reaping the benefits of, of a great job being around a really good ball club, uh, working with some really good individuals uh, from top to bottom in the, in the organization. I like that. So are you are you cooking up stuff? For the office at all you ever do stuff at home <laughs> bringing it in of course yeah i mean you know i'm always down to like cook it up for the boys and all that and uh you know we definitely have potlucks within the office we try to make sure everybody has some good food so me myself and a couple of the other ladies that work uh throughout the game day staff they like to make stuff for for everyone and uh yeah it's it's really cool we got a good little what's, uh, what's the julian special i was just gonna ask that oh man uh you know it's hard to pass up a good lasagna. It's kind of easy to put together. It's not, you know, doesn't take as much work, maybe so much prep, but uh, not so much to serve it, to have it ready and all that. But uh, one of our big specialties, we have this uh, lovely lady. Her name's Patty. She works our will call booth on game days, and she makes up some mean desserts, man. I'll tell you what. I can eat about four <laughs> or five pieces of cake, and it's, you know, that's my dinner sometimes because it's just too much, too much good stuff to pass up. So. Uh, it's definitely a lot of good options in there. Walk me, walk me through the uh, the day to day of the the ticket office. Like, um, what's that like? What's what's kind of the craziest stories that uh, you have to tell? All right. So, I mean, first thing, like when I come in, I basically go through my emails for the day, whatever I need to do, and then you know we we open up our windows and we get a good little walk of crowd coming throughout the day. We got all kinds of interesting characters walking by the windows, all kinds of cool people that want to talk to us about, about the team, talk to us about the games, talk about experiences and stuff like that. So uh, that kind of is my pregame stuff. And then throughout the course of the game, I'm out there talking to fans. I'm out there trying to make sure people that are there for group outings are taken care of things like that. So. What's the most ridiculous thing you've heard like in the ticket office? Cause uh, we talked to Steven probably a month or two yeah. ago and he received a phone call from an angry lady about the weather. And we all know that Steven yeah. rice cakes uh, <laughs> yeah. rice is in charge of the weather. And yeah, that's his job. So what's the most ridiculous 
absolutely most ridiculous thing you've heard. Oh man, you know, poor Steven, man, that guy, he's literally <laughs> like a magnet for these bad phone calls. I tell you what, the kid, he'll show up uh, in the morning, do his game notes, and he's just stressing out because the poor kid, he works so hard and he's got a lot on his plate just for him individually. But shout out to him for not only connecting me with you guys, but also for doing what he does every day as well. But he yeah, he'll come in. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's doing a lot on his own uh, for what he has to do. So he's obviously stressed because of it. And we'll get in there and do his thing and he'll answer the phone and everybody that just seems to talk to him just has more of a of a uh, concern than they do a positive comment or something like that so he has to deal with that more often than not but <laughs> one of my one of my favorite ones Stephen literally said he picked up the phone and uh within two seconds the guy had basically just cussed him out like all kinds of crazy right so I was like oh okay transfer it over to me and like I started talking to the guy calmed him down a little bit and he was like, yeah, whoever that was that answered the phone, just tell him next time not to answer the phone with such a tone. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was just like, man, poor Steven. He's over there just answering in his own good mood and still getting shit for it. So <laughs> how about one of the better how about one of the better stories of customer service? You got somebody that's just extra grateful or anything like that? Oh, all the time. So, I mean, uh, one of my favorite stories for me personally this year, um, we had a lady from Visalia Rawhide reach out to us. Uh, particularly me about getting tickets to come out with some of her family. Uh, she had a little bit of an incident come up like a personal matter and uh, she wasn't able to attend. But then when I reached out to her, she came up to me and made, made me feel, you know, really special about how like I went the extra mile to make sure everything was okay with her and, you know, didn't really so much worry about the game ticket stuff, just kind of like talking to her about, you know, Hey, is everything okay? How's your family members? Are you guys getting through everything? Okay. Stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and then, Another season ticket holder I talked to on the phone. I hadn't actually met him in person more than maybe once or twice, uh, but uh, I talked to him on the phone, helped him get set up with some tickets for that night. And he actually brought my, my six-year-old daughter a, a teddy bear that was like from 1954 and was like, oh, this is for your daughter for graduating kindergarten. And I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. You know, like, I mean, like I said, I have barely started in the front office this year. And obviously learning all the season ticket holders via email is not as easy as doing it uh, person to person over the course of a full off season right. as well. Like I started in, I want to say April, you know, and we barely just from there got going and that was it. So a lot of the people I met were just off of emails or phone calls. It wasn't no face to face contact at the time and stuff like that. So it's been a, a learning process, but it's been a lot of fun, a lot, a lot more positive stories, a lot more, you know, good stories. Uh, than, than the bad ones for sure but it's always fun to look back and kind of laugh at the growing moments like that so uh, we, we we definitely have fun with it and we definitely you know try to roll with the punches if you will so yeah as much crap that is going on in this world there are still majority decent human beings out there oh, cool. everybody's just they do have good vibes good hearts for the most part so that's good to hear yeah, of course, man. I think the bottom line uh, that you'll see, especially amongst our fans, is everybody's just be happy to be out again, experiencing the game in person. Um, you know, it's not exactly so much been a difference with the fact that we're single A now or anything like that. I think people that have come out and been around the team, they realize that we're putting out a good product. Uh, and it's, you know, definitely resulting in wins and losses, but also just the overall game experience, even when we do lose games at home. I think the crowd's always in for a pretty good treat. Uh, they get a good experience from the players that are out there. And yeah, so. So are you guys back to full capacity yet or? 
We're yeah, we, we, we are at full capacity. We actually uh, went back officially on the 15th of June and uh, we really touted that 4th of July weekend as our reopening weekend. So that was where a lot of our eggs were uh, in our basket, if you will. And uh, yeah, it was a really great turnout. We had crowds of eight, nine and 10,000 over the course of the weekend. Uh, the, the crowd on Saturday got treated to a Grant Levine walk-off, uh, which was absolutely electric. If you guys want, I can send you a little a video I got of it. Uh, I was standing behind that. the right, I was standing behind the right field wall and uh, me and one of the ops guys. And I was just like, you know, I've been watching his batting practice. I know what this kid's been doing out there. You know, during my lunch break, I'll go sit out there and watch batting practice for about my last 20 minutes or so. And uh, I seen his swing and I was like, he's going to do something right now. We are, we've been slowly coming back in the game. And it was just like, all right, one piece to another is like, all right, it's going to be a home run. So who's going to hit it? Is it going to be Zach? Unfortunately, it wasn't him, but I was like, Grant's probably the next best choice and got it on video. So yeah, I'll send it over. It was wild. Yeah, we'll put that in right now. <laughs> Come on, Grant. Let's go, baby. Come on, Grant. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. You mentioned just the fans being part of the, you know, the, the, the stadium, the team and your, um, just the overall experience was what's like the giveaway that you dig, like what's the one that like gets the most people in it? Is it the, is it the princess and pirates that make people show up? Is it that replica Jersey that is sweet? And if there's any extra in the back, if you want to send it this way, we'll take it. Um, I got you guys. I got you guys. <laughs> I would love one of those replicas. Yeah. Those things. On Saturday yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. Those were real nice actually for a replica Jersey. They were definitely, they're button ups. They're really good material. Uh, they're good. nice and lightweight. So yeah, I think I definitely could hook you guys up with a couple of them. So. We'll talk off air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but like, what is it that like? What's what, what's one of those promos, those giveaway nights that like bring the people in? You know, honestly, for us out here, I think the consensus has been like those ring giveaways when we do World Series replicas. Uh, so uh, oh, those yeah. three, those three years that the Grizzlies were affiliated with the Giants, uh, they did a couple of them. Uh, they also did they also did one for the Astros as well. Uh, so those, I mean, have been primarily pretty good turnouts just because of the fact that it's a replica ring i think people really like those uh but for this season it definitely has been that jersey giveaway that was uh one of the top hitters uh, we also did a jose ramirez bobblehead and uh if you're not aware who that man is he's a boxer from out here in fresno yeah uh, so we basically did a promotion with him where before his title fight we had a bobblehead giveaway of him um so yeah and then character giveaways are always nice as far as like having them in the park, like princess and pirates will generate that crowd as far as the younger children and all that gets the parents to actually show up because their kids want to be there. Uh, we have Peppa pig night coming up. Um, so things like that, those are always uh, real nice as far as reaching out to a little bit different of a crowd, uh, people who may or may not show up on given nights. So. Yeah, for sure. I noticed that you mentioned the Rockies don't have a ring. Um, in that giveaway there do you want to go out there like johnny bravo did and guarantee a world series in the next five years 
you know, if that Fresno magic is what we have, you know, brewing out here, we're trying our best to make it work. It's going to be tough, you know, so there's a lot of competition in those top three spots uh, right now for the, for the West. So uh, if it, if it happens, we definitely know where it came from and we definitely know where to attribute it all to. Uh, but at the same time, we don't want to put too much pressure on, on the younger cats to uh, get there and then have it all fall on their shoulders. So if it happens, we definitely know where it came from though. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I think we're about to ship off a bunch of, <laughs> bunch of key pieces and bunch we're going to get some prospects in the process. Yeah. So I think, I think a bunch might land there in Fresno. Yeah, it's uh, it's very likely. I mean, uh, I don't know what you guys feel about the, uh, the upper guys with the story and all that right now, if he is gone or all that, but I definitely see the Rockies as being like a very bottom to top organization right now, as far as like what I'm seeing them do with their, they've got a lot of talent down there with us. And I know Spokane got a few of our guys that we started out with and they've already had some guys. So I can only imagine if two to three years of full pro ball and development, what it could do for them. And, you know, things change over time, you know, anything could happen in a given season. Like look who's we leading the NL West right now. It's not a team that everybody expected in, uh, you know, February. So yeah, for sure. I think that the uh, I think the Rockies are about to ship off so much talent they're going to call up Julian from the ticket office. <laughs> hey, you hey, know, we need an analytics department. Hey, man, you know I got uh, my swings on my page. You can find it if you guys are scouting <laughs> for me. Let me know. Nah. So you uh, you mentioned that the Grizzlies are associated with the Giants and they have a winning pedigree. Blah 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 blah. Giants. Blah blah blah. Is that what made you a Giants fan? Um, you mentioned you're a San Francisco Giant fan, so nobody holds it against him. He uh, is that where your roots started? Was being in no. Fresno, being associated with San Francisco? Uh, no. So actually, I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, okay. so Hayward, Hayward, California. Uh, it's about maybe like 25 minutes away from San Francisco. Uh, if on when there's no traffic, obviously. But uh, <laughs> so I grew up out there, watched Barry Bonds growing up can't lie that was a lot of what had to do with uh just being infatuated with the long ball and trying to replicate that as a left-handed hitter and uh, I mean you know I went to A's games a lot too uh, that was definitely part of uh, the whole thing for me but I just kind of felt more along the lines of being a Giants fan like I said just kind of like Barry Bonds game um, really wish I could see him get inducted into the Hall of Fame but that's a whole nother discussion <laughs> that you know we could we could have a, at a different time but you know, uh, no, for me, for me, though, the Giants, they've been um, my team and they come into Fresno. I then I kind of realized, oh, that's the tie with the with the Giants was here. And uh, I didn't really put those together. But now that I've been with the team and you uh, you have a lot of season ticket holders that have been here since the very beginning, even before the Grizzlies had to Chansey Park, they played at Fresno State's uh, baseball stadium. Mm -hmm. And so we have season ticket holders that have been with us since then. Uh, so for them, those are the people that definitely like bring up those kind of times and are uh, definitely like been fans of the club for, because of that reason as well. And also been just around because, you know, Fresno is a really, a really good baseball town, too. Uh, we have a lot of talent at the youth level. There's a lot of a lot of organizations and clubs for the kids to participate in out here. A lot of good travel teams. Uh, it's a little bit of a warmer uh, area, so sometimes it doesn't get the. Uh, the tournament's like held here as much as we'd like, but definitely has a lot of good prospects going out in different places as well. So, yeah, the yeah the ball there it has to be fun, even though it's like 115 degrees all the time. 
Yeah, uh, my myself, I play Sunday League. We played yesterday. It was like 105 uh, at 1 o'clock when we were playing. And, I mean, I did that for one day. I can't imagine the guys out there, they've been playing basically four or five days straight, even six days straight in that heat. So, uh, shout out to them for being able to put through that and still put on a good performance even uh, through all that too. So, yeah, we uh, we talked to Sam Weatherly a few weeks ago. He he was talking to us outside under an umbrella, had it propped up on the umbrella stand. Literally 15 minutes into the interview, the conversation, his phone overheated, and he had to take that inside. It was like yeah, 10 o'clock in the morning, and he was like, "Yeah, phone's not doing it." That's crazy. Yeah, it, it gets a little warm. So the thing is, you'll see a lot of guys go get their runs in early in the morning before like eight o'clock, you know? And so it's, it's just part of uh, adapting to the weather. But I think for these guys, the thing that they have going for them is they'll end up somewhere a little bit more hospitable where it's like Spokane is nicer weather. And then Hartford's nice and Albuquerque, maybe not so much uh, better or worse as far as the heat goes and all that. But uh, just at that point, you're so close to the show. You're not really worried about what the weather's like outside. I'm sure. Yeah. You're not worried about that at all. So Giants fan, let's go back to this. Uh, how, why are they at the top? I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. The Giants are like my second least favorite NL West team. I think we both agree that we don't like the Dodgers. All of us agree on that, but it's hard. It's hard to like the color blue It's just not something that I can do. No, nobody looks good in it either. Like, I don't know yeah. how, um, but how are the Giants good? Like, they don't have names to say. Like, what are they doing? How are they doing it? And do they hold on? So we'll go a little bit reverse order. Do they hold on? I believe so. I don't think it, it's they hold on by a lot. I think it does come down to the last series or maybe the last two series. Um, they obviously won't play the Dodgers very much down the stretch. So that kind of does help. They're going to have the series coming up here in San Francisco. And then after that, they don't have very much back and forth uh, going to L.A. I actually don't think they play in L.A. at all the rest of the season, which is good. And then finishing off the Padres uh, in that last stretch, they got like seven games against them. So if they're able to, you know, go four out of three, that doesn't really hurt them in the standings. Um, but, you know, how they're doing it, it's basically just everybody being willing to buy into what, Kapler and Farhan set out for them. I think uh, if you look at it, you, they're, you're right. They're not doing it with names, but they're doing it with guys that are just filling into roles. Lamont Wade Jr. hit two home runs yesterday. Uh, here's a guy that got no shot in Minnesota, but is getting all the chance now to shine because of injuries and such, but doing it because of the progression that they've held for him uh, through AAA and such. Mm. Uh, then you've also got pitching that's been timely. Uh, the bullpen has been a little bit shaky in spots, but at the same time, I feel really comfortable uh, with most of the guys they throw out there. I think when, when you have Tyler Rogers in a situation against guys who haven't faced him very much, he's very hard to pick up, and that's favorable. McGee will be a guy that will just try to powerball uh, his way through his three outs, and in certain situations, that might work, you know, but um, for the most part, I'm pretty much just feeling like it's really just coming down to the Giants being uh, adaptive to what they're being told to do. You know, like guys are just willing to go out of their way to pick up the next guy. You go up and down the lineup. Everybody feels comfortable, even if they get out, that the next person will step up for them. So 
I think the most frustrating thing as a Rockies fan is that McGee's actually good now. Yeah. We, we had him for three years. And yeah. It's yeah, like and, uh, hit or miss. Yeah. You know, that I don't know if that's so much an organizational thing or a setting thing. Um, you know, like the guy didn't he's he's been spotty to me at points where like, OK, like it's the ninth inning. We have a two run lead, but you give up two runners and then you put yourself in high high pressure situations when you've had all the leverage. Mm-hmm. And now you got to you got to go out there and get three tougher outs. And granted, you're able to do that in more situations than not, but it's still not what you want to be as an ideal closer. You want to go up there, you want to get your three outs and be on with your day, kind of like Liam Hendricks, um, you know, so. You're preaching to the choir with that McGee adding pressure to it. I mean, I think it's I think it's a level of forgiveness. In Coors Field, you have no level of forgiveness. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. In San Francisco, you have at least a little bit. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, because I do. I do want to say he blew a save in Colorado this Good. year, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard I, that, brother. I've yeah, seen so that a million times. I, I mean, he, he's you know, used to that. That was just old uh, habits coming out. As Crook and Kipe say, "Ownage is ownage," and if a stadium has ownage on you, it will ever, forever hold you. So, um, I think yeah. that it's it's one of those things, like you said, that that stadium will not be nice to you if you're if you're a, a fly ball pitcher. You're definitely not going to be in for a fun night so he allowed four runs that night i'm looking it up right now san francisco at colorado they got the l he allowed four earned runs and in 0.2 innings yeah and it one of the or it was a couple of home runs or one home run uh where'd it go there it is i want oh I zero home it was, it was zero oh, home runs that night oh okay this was back in beginning of may when he had it it made his ERA go from 292 to 554 in that one outing. Nice. And he's been working yeah. his ass off to bring it back down to 245. Man, yeah. Jake McGee. Yeah, I mean, over, overall, it's been better than it has uh, looking like from the beginning with him. So that's something that, as a Giants fan, you like to be uh, optimistic. But as a Rockies fan, you like to be pessimistic on it because you're like, this guy – we know what he's made of. We know what he's done. He's capable of doing. So I, I do hope that he's able to close it down the stretch for us. And uh, like I said, I, I just think that the fact that guys are just stepping up from all these different places, like mm-hmm. who was who Darren Ruff? No one really knew that. And, you know, uh, this guy is coming in and hitting off, off the bench and coming in and playing first base and playing left field and doing all kinds of random things that someone like him usually wouldn't get a shot to do. Uh, and so it's it's a different sort of game, man. I feel I feel like Farhan and them are just playing a little bit uh, more to the modernist type of game. And it's just working out a little bit better for them right now. Um, but anything can happen in October. So uh, the yeah. Giants weren't the Giants weren't favored coming into any postseason. They may be favored if they keep up right now what they're doing. So that might not be something that's favorable uh, for them. They had to kind of play the, the underdog role. And they did it really well, obviously, but. Yeah, and their starting pitching has been pretty solid. Like, no way Kevin Gossman was expected to do this or Alex Wood. They're getting yeah. nice rebound years from those guys. I'm looking at this yeah. roster. I can say I don't know any of these, like, starters now because you have you have Listella on the DL. You have Longoria on the DL. You have Brandon Belt, I'm sorry, on the IL. Yep. And, like, you're still winning? This yep. is dumb. This is yeah, Crawford. Crawford's supposed to be coming back here uh, sometime um, 
early August. I know Belt was running, and they said his knee was doing better, but they weren't sure about him. That's kind of something I heard on the radio this morning. Uh, but Longoria is the, the real wild card right now because when he comes back, then that really affects like five to six different people. That affects Wilmer Flores, Darren Ruff, Lamont Wade. It even affects Brandon Belt a little bit. Right. Um, so there's just there's just a big kind of you know uh, six degrees of separation from that that you get. Uh, so it's like tough because these guys are doing so well. You don't really want to take anyone out, and at the same time, you don't want to deny Longo his at bats. That's a big that's a big piece of money right there just sitting on the shelf. So yeah, and James is a big Longo fan as is. So he he I know he's happy to see Longo Longoria come back. Huh, James? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, doing a comparison between Longo and Tulo's career, and uh, Longo's doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he ha- he hasn't been able to get the, the the ring quite yet, but, like, as a numbers and as far as, like, he was pretty hyped up when he was playing in Durham, and then he came up, and he's been pretty steady for a long number of years. So uh, for him to go from just a phenom to continuously being up there, and then, you know, his – his bat fell off a little bit, but that's going to happen when you get through some of the injuries he's been dealing with in this age and day, you know? So, yeah. Well, he's been doing fantastic this year. I mean, yeah. And right. the frustrating part is that the Rockies actually had a chance to take him and they passed on him. And I can't remember who they took, but I don't think it turned out very well. Mike, Mike. Yeah. What's that? Mike's on it. Yeah. Get Mike on it. Let us yeah. Know. So maybe. But like, yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting because you know, like one thing I've noticed about the game nowadays is uh, I feel like you'll see guys try to take second base a lot more on a, on what should be a routine single. Like for example, on Saturday, uh, Zach Veen hit a really hard, like what I assume to be just a single to the right kind of uh, left side of the center fielder, excuse me, and uh, he legged it out for a double, and it was just pure speed out of the box, and like those are the things that some of these scouts are evaluating and they're, they're looking for, for guys and they want spark plugs. They want guys who are going to steal extra bases and uh, get that free 90 out of something that doesn't usually get found. So uh, that's, that's something that I see from the Grizzlies as far as like, I can see that the Rockies probably asking things like that out of those guys, you know, uh, to work yeah. on getting that extra 90 and trying to steal free bases when you can, if the defense is lapsing, take advantage of it. So. Yeah, they, it's really uh, funny you bring that up because just last Thursday I was playing slow pitch softball, and this guy who's got a got a hunched over swing and glasses on, he, he laces one in the right field and took two on us. Caught us by oh, surprise. Man. See, there it is. You got to just watch. <laughs> you got to be aware of everyone. You know, so. must been must been watching the Grizz. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Grizzlies are aren't they leading the uh, league in stolen bases? Uh, yeah, they are. They are up there. I know they're. Uh, definitely top in the low A West. I know that in all of minor league baseball, I want to say Steven had told me most recently they were like top five. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, they hustle, man. I, I Something I noticed from the very get uh, on opening day was this team will definitely play the hustle game. Um, they, they work really hard uh, and their reps and all that. When I see them out there doing their stuff with the coaching staff, they're really focused in. Uh, they're working hard on everything they're trying to get better at as a team. And then when they're playing the game, they're legging out uh, balls to the shortstop. They're not, uh, uh, you know, hobbling over and just kind of getting a free out. They're trying to get there. 
Uh, they do all the things that you would expect out of a young professional player. So right. uh, that's one thing that I, I feel like the organization is trying to get out of them for the next step. A lot of these guys won't be here with us next year. And uh, the thing is to make sure that when they do move on, that they're just, you know, even more seasoned and ready to roll. So. Right. Right. Let's, I mean, let's hope, let's hope that's what it is. And there's stuff happening. Um, yeah. Let's, so you're part of the Rockies organization now, even though you're a Giants fan, whatever. Um, oh, Mike got back to me. Sorry, Mike got back. We drafted Greg Reynolds before we did Evan Longoria. Um, you might have heard of Greg Reynolds. Probably not. No, no, never. <laughs> yeah, that's I say that. Had a chance, though. Yeah, we had it. Uh, yeah. But one thing we did with Steven and Johnny Bravo, I don't know if you listen to the pods or not, we asked them some Rockies trivia. Yeah, yeah. So I, I am aware that I'm going to have to uh, show my baseball savvy here. And so I've, I've definitely tried my best to come prepared. Uh, I've read through I've read through the encyclopedias and all such uh, reading materials. So my spark notes hopefully are good. OK, so, James, you need to get Mike on it to find another question because I feel like Julian's prepared. Um, so the one few questions we asked was when when is the Rockies inaugural year? Okay, that was uh, 1992. <laughs> no. uh, 1993. You're really no, you were way closer than the other two. The other oh, two were like in the 2000s. Was, um, the Rockies, being in Coors, high altitude, had some Blake Street bombers. Can you name four slash five of those bombers in the 1990s? Uh, would Dante Bichette be one? He is one. Yes. Um, is Larry Walker one? Yep. Yes. Uh, Todd Helton? No, that's not a ni- not a nineties. Uh, that's a two thousands. Pepinera. I like the name drop though. Okay. Okay. Oh man, starting to run thin here on on the names. Can't really. One of them coached the Futures game. Celebrity All Star game. No, I think it was the Futures game. He helped to the NL side. Oh, oh man, it's slipping me right now. It really is. You're about You're to make Mexican me. Go- player? I'm about to go. Yeah. Oh no. Nope. Third base. <laughs> Third Vinny, baseman. Vinny Castilla. Oh, okay, okay. And then uh, Andres Big Cat Galarraga. Oh my God, Big Cat! He played for the Giants. How could I forget the Big Cat? I was I was a little disappointed. The, that honestly, that's that should be the like strike three for all all of them right there. <laughs> big, big Cat hit the home runs the furthest. So yeah, he was. I remember watching him as a kid. And then um, the fifth one that gets sometimes mentioned um, is Ellis Burks. Oh yeah, another former Giant as well. But he yeah. also. Came after 93, though. So Yeah, he was all over. Um, And then the last question is, who is the sole representative of the Colorado Rockies in the Hall of Fame? Larry Walker. Bonus question, who is the next person in line to go into the Hall of Fame as Colorado Rocky if they ever get their shit together? Todd Helton. Okay. So you know your baseball. All right. You did way better than Johnny and Steven combined, so they can suck it, and you win. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love Steven, but you know what? He knows that I know my game. So, you know, that's. Yeah. I think that's why he brought me in, you know, and wanted to hook me up with you guys so that way we could get a good little representation and show that we know a little bit about the game as well. So, Right. 
we're not just all just books and stuff out there. Do you have another no, question, Mike? Picking it up. You, did you get that question, Mike? Uh, yeah, Mike got back to me. He wants all to right. know um, final trivia. All time, who's the all time triples hitter in Rockies history? And I will give you a hint. Nobody. Even um, he most recently played with the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah, that was my guess. I would have got that one right. You know, this is only because this name just really resonates with me. It's probably not it, but I want to say Chris Ionetta. No. Nope. I don't know. I, triples. Yeah. That's, a, that's a great guess because Ionetta did play in the AL West there for a while. Yeah. He, he was yeah. He's actually on the team now, but he's on the IL. Oh, he's okay. He's active. He's on, he's on the team now, but he's active. And he's a leader in triples for the Rockies, yeah. but he plays on the Angels now. Oh, oh, and he, um, he played for the Cardinals for a while. For Cubs for a hot minute too. Yep. Oh, is that Dexter Fowler? There you go. Yes, sir. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Dexter, yeah, young Dex with the Rockies. That was uh, when Matt Holiday did, or did he not touch home plate? He touched it. We were there. <laughs> <laughs> we were in the. You know he did. We all you know, know he touched it. Don't even have to ask, bro. He he touched home plate, and Darren Ruff didn't swing. We're we're all squared away. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a salty Giants fan. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, Julian, spending some time talking ball. Honestly, it was cool talking. Uh, getting a little no ins and outs of all of Fresno Grizzlies. And I, I am rooting for the giants out of the NL West. I really am. I don't know about James as a Longoria fan, but uh, good luck to the giants. Good luck to you. Good luck to the Grizz and cook some sweet ass food for that office, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Anytime you guys want to come out to Fresno, I'm sure Steven's already extended the invite, but anytime you guys want to come out, you know who to hit up for the tickets. Um, we'll take care of you. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah, man. Let's talk soon. Yeah, we'll figure right it out. <laughs> Later, Jules. Right on. Welcome to Blake Street Banter, where one of us knows what the word banter means. The other two are just along for the ride. Here with Tyler. Tyler, say hi. What's up, guys? And we are here with Rockies farmhand, Fresno Grizzly pitcher, Blake Goldsberry. What's up, dude? How's it going? Pretty good. Can't say thank you enough for being here and spending your... Uh, your late morning, I guess, on Fresno with us. So sweet. Thank you for hanging out. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in my bedroom. <laughs> okay, that is your bedroom. Yep. Very nice. We uh, saw Sam Weatherly, roommate, and his background wasn't as picturesque as yours. So no. I just, just had to he, double he's check. He's my roommate, too. Yeah. What's that? He's my roommate, too. So yeah, that's why I was kind of confused. I was like, all right. So Sam just. <laughs> Sam doesn't like de decor, I guess. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> we need to get him on that. And it's funny because he started like the interview outside and like his phone overheated out there because it's like <laughs> 110 degrees or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you just wake up in a sweat in a sweat every morning? Uh well, luckily we have a pretty good AC, although two nights ago we got back from uh Stockton and our AC went out. Oh no. So it was like 85 degrees when we woke up. It was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> that's awful yeah um so speaking of roommates and stuff when we talked to sam last week two weeks ago he mentioned that you guys were going golfing the four of you and he says you're a ringer what's your handicap and did you kick his ass that day <laughs> uh we did I, I teamed up with uh austin kitchens and uh uh we we put him away pretty early um <laughs> my handicap was it was around like a a 2.9 during covid because 
I just played a lot. Um, so I, I've definitely have had my uh, fair share of rounds. Getting out there. Is there a future as an amateur golfer in the off season? Uh, no, not, <laughs> no, no. Dude, he was saying it's it's just not even fun to play with you. Like you're just that much better than him. <laughs> like what yeah, do you what do you have to say to that? <laughs> I think just because he's just starting, that he like he thinks that it's going to be a lot easier, and he is not. I don't think he quite understands that, but he's got a long way to go. That's for sure. <laughs> Gonna look forward to that th- those updates. Uh, let's take let's talk baseball. You uh, Fresno Grizzlies. You spent a few years at Kansas Jayhawks. I'm a Nebraska fan grew up in Nebraska um you know we have our little histories against each other but not really as of late so we'll just get that out of the way right now but you went five years at Kansas which you don't see a lot uh why (laughs) I guess like just I don't never see players go five years how did that happen how did that work out and you were lights out in 2020 um do you are you pissed that it kind of ended shortly yeah I was um well I think uh First off, my first year was so bad. I thought I was going to get cut. Um, so I was just glad they kept me around. Um, and I got to uh, my junior year and I started to get some interest um, from pro teams. And uh, I think like I ended up starting some games and I woke up, I started at Florida State, woke up the next morning and I had a stress um, reaction to my elbow. So I was out for the rest of the year. Uh, so that hurt with the draft and everything um, going on my junior year. And then I think teams the next year were kind of just, uh, hesitant to take a guy who was uh, hurt. Uh, I had a really good year, I thought, and I thought I was going to have a chance to go. And I didn't. And I had the opportunity to go back for a fifth year because I had it. And uh, just the school, uh, the coaches, teammates were so good. Um, I couldn't pass it up, just go another year. And then obviously I had a good start to 2020 and then uh, we got banged. Right. Did you, did you take a medical red shirt for after the, the elbow injury or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yep. Uh, but then, yeah, speaking of the Jayhawks, like we've in the Rockies system, we've got Matt McLaughlin, who you were teammates with and Ben Sems, who uh, was just drafted like last week. Have you been in touch with those guys um, now that you're organization mates and stuff? Yeah, we talk, uh, Matt and I talk a lot. Um, I shouldn't say a lot, but we definitely talk. Um, and I just talked to Sims. I congratulated him. Um, he's super excited. Um, so yeah, it's good to have some uh, familiar faces around. Yeah, that's definitely cool. And then also Frank Duncan, who he went to Kansas. You guys, I don't think your timeline's lined up there, but I mean, he's pitching in the in AAA for the Rockies. So, I mean, we all know about Kansas hoops, but like is Kansas baseball like low-key a powerhouse too? I don't know. We might have some guys coming out of there that are making some moves. Yeah, I w- and I was just surprised because I didn't realize that, yeah, you have now, yeah, two teammates that are in the Rockies organization. So that that definitely caught me by surprise. Yeah. When you, when you talked to Ben, did you give any advice or pass any knowledge along? I didn't. I just kind of said, uh, I texted him and said, congratulations uh, on your day. Um, and he, he just sent me a text back said, uh, thank you so much. You'll have to show me around. And that was kind of it. Um, just want to let him celebrate that day. But yeah, I'm sure I'll be getting a few calls here soon. <laughs> give him all the what's in, what the what's abouts about uh, Fresno. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Are you a big Hoops fan? Huge. I went to probably every game there. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, Very gotta exciting. take in Allen Fieldhouse. Take advantage of that. For sure. Yeah. Give yeah what, are, what are your expectations for for the revamped squad, Bill Self, and that that new team? 
I think this could be the year we get a we get another one. We're I think we're loaded. They have big guy that guards like uh, Peyton Ramey, the transfer. This could be a big year. Yeah, because I think not to talk too much about basketball since since this is baseball oriented, <laughs> but I mean I think like the Kansas teams have been like kind of stuck with like how versatile they can be. Like you've got to play like someone at the five and you can't switch it around. So like self has a bunch of pieces he can just move around. So I, I definitely agree this yeah. could be a pretty special year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Do you want to go on record and say Kansas Jayhawks will win the uh, 2022 championship? I will. I'll go on record right now. All right. Jayhawks will first. This year. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. I'm going to watch a little bit closer now. Yep. Take us back to high school. Uh, Cherry Creek High School, uh, Denver fans. You grew up in Denver area, Littleton. And what was it like getting picked up by the Rockies and getting that sign, like, from high school to, like, now? Like, did it just come full circle for you? Yeah, I did. Um, it. I actually played for the Rockies scout team in high school. Oh, wow. Um, ball. And so you kind of get your feet wet with just some people around the organization, um, with, like, Chris Forbes. Um, so I met all those guys, um, Gustafson, and then um, to have the opportunity to sign with them was like a dream come true. It was like when I got the phone call, it was like, there's, there's no way this is real. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I can't be I'm, – I'm so grateful for them. Um, but definitely being a Colorado guy and getting the opportunity was just incredible. So, like, does the Colorado Rocky scout team scout high school players to come play? Because Cherry Creek – I grew up in Western Nebraska. I think we played Cherry Creek and there was a Stony something or Smoky. Smoky Hill. Hill. We played them um, in our wood bat tournament in Ogallala. Um, And they were above average. They're really good. So like, do these scouts just come to these high schools and scout for their scout team? Uh, How'd that play out? Well, like to get on the team? Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, I don't know exactly who goes through it all but um they do kind of pick and choose who they want um they just kind of take guys here and there um i will say the year i was there we were really good we had a lot of guys drafted um so i think that's just kind of what happens yeah and then cool uh nate sweeney who was who was one of your teammates at creek he just signed in the rockies organization i think a couple weeks ago have you talked to him about that like that another another one of your former teammates is in the organization I have. He's super excited, too. Um, uh, I, I, I haven't talked a whole lot to him, but um, when I did text him, he was seemed, he seemed really excited. Okay. And did you guys spend time on the scout team together? No, he – I don't think he played for the scout team. Okay. Because I know he was he was drafted out of high school and stuff, so he definitely right. had that, that reputation going sure. on, too. Um, yeah. Playing at Creek, just just give us a little bit of like the lowdown. Like I think a lot of people in that in the Denver metro area, just Colorado, kind of have it out uh, for Cherry Creek. So so playing there and then also being like one of the the top players in the state. Like, did you really feel like there was some pressure on you and like people were were kind of out to get you, like opponents and stuff? Um, I don't know. I think you always going to Cherry Creek have a target on your back, um, just because you're that school. Um, I don't know. It was. It was, I loved it. I loved Cherry Creek. I thought it was great. And I thought, I didn't think there was as much pressure because the guys around you seemed like we're always good too. Um, it wasn't just like there was one guy who was trying to keep, like, hold everyone up. Um, but no, you definitely have the target on your back. Um, but again, you kind of embrace that and you kind of like it. Trying to be the, take the villain, villain role. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. <clears throat> Did you carry that over with you to Kansas, to Fresno, or is that just not you, your personality, you just kind of... No, I, I, I didn't really take it. I did a little bit to Kansas because um, I was actually a walk-on my first two years. Oh, wow. Um, I kind of took the, like, hey, I'm the walk-on. Like, I had to prove myself. Um, and I actually kind of have taken it here because I'm the free agent. Um, draft got cut is what it is. Um, but I'm the free agent guy, so I got to work a little harder. I got to outwork you, stuff like that. Is there anybody that you're competing with, like, day in, day out there in Fresno? Like – um, no, not really. No, everyone's kind of just, you know, no, not really in other stuff like golf and stuff. Yes. Same. <laughs> Same and I go at it, but, um, outside of that, no, not really. Okay. Well, and then one more, one more question about Creek. Your dad was, was one of your coaches there. Um, so like, just talk about him as a whole, like what kind of influence did he have on your game growing up? Uh, and then what was it like playing for him in high school? Uh, he had a lot, I think. From the day I was born, I was at the baseball field, it seemed like. Um, just growing up around those guys, um, wanting to be those guys was um, was good for me, I thought. Um, every day after elementary school, my mom would drive me over for practice, and I'd get my reps in. Um, uh, he, I will say he was super hard on me. Um, <laughs> just being a coach's kid, I think they can't – I think he felt pressure that if I didn't um, succeed, people would start to kind of always oh, only here because of his dad. Um, so he was definitely hard on me, definitely had some some tough nights at home. Um, but overall, I think he really shaped me into who I am and the competitive side for me. And what, like, you, you're probably in contact with him a lot this year. Like, how is how is he handling this experience that he's got a, a son playing pro ball? Oh, he's loving it. He call, I think he calls me more than anybody. He's so excited. <laughs> he wants to talk about the team all the time and everything. We because actually when I – was was organizing this to get you on here he your dad said said that you'd be on the podcast before you said you'd be on the podcast so he <laughs> was he, did. he was course. definitely excited <laughs> that's not surprising <laughs> we might have to do a follow-up with uh papa goldsberry <laughs> yeah we should <laughs> that would be fun uh but that's that's awesome does he ever like look at and does he critique your performances from fresno from afar does he give you those advice like your shoulders opening or whatever no he doesn't really I mean he'll uh, once in a while he thinks he'll like hey try this but I'm like no like I, I got this um <laughs> his is more of just like text here and there like every day like hey compete go get them tonight stuff like that that's cool that's cool yeah. I those relationships are those are fun to hear about those, that's that's awesome um so I mean let's let's just get into Fresno you yeah. You probably had the longest week of your life when you went on the seven-day IL in May 15th and then returned in June 25th. <laughs> like, seven-day my ass. Why, I don't know why that was a seven-day, um, but sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was uh, what was the injury? How did you rehab back? Um, just what was that month, month and a half, that week like? Um, I had a uh, bicep strain. Uh, I had slipped on the first uh, first pitch at, in Fresno, which was unfortunate. And I just felt like someone was off and uh, I, I tried to battle through it. And then one, one too many pitches later, it felt like it just exploded on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was out for, I think like too long. I don't even know. Um, more than seven days. Rehabbing that. And there wasn't really much you can do other than kind of just give it rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just lifting every single day legs only um 
doing that kind of stuff. But it was a long, I guess you could say seven days. Um, it was long. Yeah. Well, and, and mentally that kind of like, what was that like? Because you, like you were saying, you're the, the free agent guy and just right as you start your career, um, you're on the shelf for, for over a month. So like, how are you keeping positive and, and everything through that? I think, I think just going to the field and pushing myself to do things like, like lifting and stuff um, and just staying busy because the more I sat around, the more frustrated I got. Um, and I definitely think my roommates definitely helped. These are good guys around me. Um, so that, that helped me. Yeah. So speaking of the roommates, like what has it been like living with, I think you lived with Weatherly and Veen for a while. And then I think Weatherly said that Gavin Hallwell just moved in. So just what's the whole dynamic been like in that house? Uh, it's been crazy. We had, we have a six bedroom house, uh, oh. big, but we have, I think uh, just Weatherly and I are the last two here from the original six. We had, um, Etheridge was here. Will Etheridge, Mitch Kilkenny was here. Stephen Jones was here and we had Dugan here. So it was literally that we had six of us and within a month, everyone's gone. So we're just <laughs> rotating guys in and out. But, <laughs> Um, it's good. It's Sam and I have been holding down the fort. Um, we have uh, Veen now, uh, Hollowell, and DiPiazza. DiPiazza's okay. there. Okay. Did you do you like take take applications as they move up? Like Veen, we need you to turn in your application for housing. <laughs> we we give yeah. It's like we like Veen's like, hey, can I move in? It's like, well, uh, maybe we'll think about. It. No, <laughs> actually, it was like, hey, you guys got to live with us. We got to pay rent, so please move in. <laughs> let's cover let's cover yeah, our ass here come in. Yeah. anybody anybody uh since you've been back um you've been eight eight games so far with 10 strikeouts 1.59 era and a nice little whip over one um are you just out there pretending like you're still in kansas i'm trying to <laughs> um i just yeah just trying to throw up zeros give us a chance um it's really all i can do so like you've been an integral part in this 10 game win streak like you have three dubs in these last 10 wins you have four dubs in your last four appearances uh is there just there's gotta be this like aura around the grizz right now like just fun fun baseball for sure it, i feel like every single day it's like well we're gonna we feel like we're gonna win um and the mood is definitely really good right now um i think when any team goes on a 10 game win streak they are starting to feel pretty good but it's a it's fun to be around right now and this is one of just like the best teams like at least in terms of like winning percentage in the minors like uh and especially because of this this win streak that you guys are on but you've got a ton of just really talented players that have been on the team like you mentioned like Etheridge and Kilkenny um and still like in the clubhouse you've just got so much talent so what's it been like being around all these guys it's awesome it's awesome to learn from them too just to see what they do um differently from what you do and how um, it works for them and what you can take from them to to yourself and learn and help yourself out. Um, but I think what's crazy is that we move guys up, but then we still continue to win. It seems like, which is incredible. Wait, maybe even like more talent on the way with the draft having just happened, like right. probably going to get a, a reinforcement or two, which could really make that just a really potent group of guys. Exactly. Um, but tell us a little bit more about about living with Zach Veen. Like he's he's like the new darling of of the Rockies organization. Uh, but it's hard to get to know a lot about like about the minor league guys. 
um obviously you're a little bit older than him like he's like a, a kid still <laughs> so just tell us a little bit about him like what really stands out and what do you think that Rockies fans should know about him uh he's a really good guy um he doesn't know how to do laundry um, <laughs> he, he asked the other day um before Stephen left he was like hey Stephen how do I how do I start this and um but he's a really good guy he super low-key um doesn't do a whole lot just kind of chills out off days he just kind of chills out does his thing um but definitely wants to be here which is a great thing <laughs> yeah that's, yeah and that's he, so funny. he had like a little pre like before the draft there was like a little hype video that he had made where he was talking about wanting to be like like the best like wanting to be i think he said he wanted to be like a hall of famer like do yeah. you see that in his work ethic like day in day out yeah for sure he he works really hard i feel like a ton of guys work really hard, but you definitely see um, you, you definitely see him putting in the work um, in the cages and just everything. That's, that's good to hear. Um, yeah. Let's go back to you. What's your pitch arsenal? Tell me what you're working with. Um, what are you working on? What's your mentality when you get out on that hill? Who's Blake Goldsberry, the, the, the pitcher? Um, I throw a uh, fastball changeup. It's more of like a slurve now, I guess. Um, uh, what I'm working on is honestly, I'm trying to build back arm strength. I lost a little bit since um, I was hurt and just not throwing. I think you lose arm strength. And uh, so I'm trying to get that back. And uh, the Blake Goldsberry on the mound, um, honestly, just someone who's going to compete. <clears throat> like we have a family motto, which I think couldn't explain myself better is like, how do you spell fun? And it's W I N. Like as soon as I get out there, it just seems like all I want to do is just beat the guy at the, at the plate. And uh, that's all I try and do. What's your, what's your preparation look like for that? Like, I just, just picking a ball player's mind. Like, do you go batter by batter? Do you have a game plan that goes into it? Is when you see the team for like the third or fourth time, does that switch up? Like, how do you create that game plan? Um, a lot of it is sitting in the bullpen. Um, you watch those guys kind of like what, what their tendencies are kind of are. Um, and then once it's out there, I think you just trust what you your best stuff is and how you can attack. Um, a lot of it is trusting the catcher. Um, Romo and um, Quijada, our catchers, are doing a great job with knowing hitters too. So it makes it easy for us to just go out there and trust our own stuff. And yeah, all around. Going back to your yeah. arsenal, um, like how do you really try to attack hitters? Like you have a pretty this this year, your walk rate's been pretty low. So are you really just trying to attack guys in the zone? try to get them to put the ball in play or are you trying to kind of finesse them a little bit, get some swings and misses? Uh, what, are, what are your main goals when you're on the Hill? Uh, I think my main goals are just trying to get ahead early. Um, I always try and get to Oh one, Oh two, one, two. Um, and then try and put them away. Um, I definitely don't try and like, I, yeah, I try and throw my best stuff early too, but I'm not trying to just strike a guy out with an Oh count because it's not going to happen. Um, but just trying to attack guys early. And then just think about you got righty versus lefty, like which pitches say to a right-hander versus a left-hander, like which do you feel most confident in? Uh, right now my changeup has been really good. Um, I feel like I can go change up to any, any righty or lefty. Um, just the sink and run on it's been really good. So that's kind of my go-to right now for um, a strike or two strikes in general. Okay. And that's definitely something that as you, yeah, continue to rise like that. That fastball changeup sequence is definitely going to be uh, key for success, just throwing guys off their timing. Um, right. 
but mentioning like that Romo's catching you, he's another guy like Dean, just still a kid out there. But I think from everything we've heard, like he's a really like mature, smart baseball player. Like, can you confirm that that report basically? Yeah, he's he's one of the most mature 19 year olds I've ever seen. <laughs> he, just the way he goes about himself is like he's been there, done that like for 10 years already. Um, he knows like he'll come in the dugout and start talking to our pitching coach and be like, this is what I see. This is what he's doing. And it seems like our pitching coach every time is like, yep, dead on. Keep, keep attacking. Like he just, he knows it. And his baseball IQ is through the roof. And do you think that having him catch you has been a little bit helpful with your success? Like he's calling, he's putting stuff down that that makes a lot of sense to you is receiving and all that. Like, do you think he's helping you a bit? For sure. He, every time you go out there, you don't have to worry about um, what he's calling or like, feeling like you have to work the hitter and shake and do all this because he actually he knows what he's doing and just kind of go out there and do your thing and he's gonna he's gonna help you have you ever shaken him off <laughs> uh i have and i think it was uh it was like a no because i i shook him off and he was like he threw it back down and i was like no <laughs> and he threw it back down and i was like all right here we go <laughs> and it ended up working and i did it again um one other time and I shook off and he gave me something else and the guy single. And I was like, oh, you're right. Sorry. My bad. Like, I'm <laughs> off you again. That's awesome. Trust your catcher kids. That's where it comes down to. Yeah. And I th- like going back to that baseball IQ thing. I think catchers that have that IQ are going to be successful. Like they just, they're built different as the kids say these days, like they just kind of get in like you trusting him already is huge. And so that's, that's awesome. Yeah, he's 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 good. He mentally is just he's there. He gets it. He's you wouldn't think he was a high school kid for sure because yeah. he comes in with a, such a great approach every day. Love that. Love that. Let's uh let's end this. We're coming up to that half hour mark. Let's end this with some fun questions. We try to ask, get to know the ball players a little bit. Usually, I just go to your college website and look at the questions they asked you. But Kansas didn't do their research, so I guess we'll do it for them right now. <laughs> um, one of the questions we I, I have to ask you, talking to Fresno Grizzly, what is your least favorite and your most favorite jerseys down there? Because they have a, an array of jerseys. Uh, least favorite is probably the just the, the tan on the tan. Um, <laughs> I think that's my least favorite. I don't know. We wore the tan on Fourth of July, right before Fourth of July, with the red pants, and I actually liked that. Um, so I was a fan of that. My my favorite is probably the black and gold. Those are that's yeah. I, was I would agree with that. Who gets to pick the jerseys? <laughs> uh, on the road, it's the starter because okay. we don't have green red, and at home. We just come in and there's a mannequin dressed for us on what we're wearing. <laughs> so it, I guess it's not really the picture. It doesn't get a, it doesn't get a say. So it's just whatever the mannequin says we put on. <laughs> yeah, it's probably with the promotions and stuff at home. You probably kind of have to right. do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, it's kind of cool. It's that's like a tradition of baseball. The starting pitcher gets to pick the uniform right. for whatever it is. I remember doing that in like little league. Uh, that's cool. Um, what is your what is your best accomplishment? as a kid like greatest there's the word i was looking for what is your greatest accomplishment as a as a child oh for, for reference like weatherly's was beating his uh teacher in a uh, multiplication race 
Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm going to say my dad cutting me in golf freshman year <laughs> and then coming back and making the team the next year. There we go. Wait, so your dad was, cutting me. Your dad was the golf coach too? Yeah, he did it all. He's done golf, basketball, uh, baseball, volleyball. I don't, he's done it all. <laughs> so yeah, he cut me freshman year. So I, I made it my point to make it the next year. And here you are with your 2.9 handicap as a professional <laughs> athlete. So thank you, dad. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Jordan-esque right there. Right. Um, and then final, final question. What is like your dream vacation spot that you just, it, you, you've been to that you enjoy going to that you, it's like your, your quote unquote happy place. Um, probably Maui. Maui. Yeah. I've been there and that place is awesome. So relaxing and just a great place. I went in a helicopter tour. It was awesome. Just good vibes, Maui. Yeah. Great vibes. Yeah. Good people. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. One of my friends was there like two weeks ago and he's posting everything. I'm like, <laughs> can you, do you, do you have to do this? Like, you're just making me jealous. <laughs> yeah. Good place. That's awesome. Well, keep doing your thing up there. Like this 1.5 ERA and this little over one whip, like just doing your thing, coming back from this injury is very fun to watch. Um, I know I'm watching from here, so keep doing your thing. Thank you for spending your afternoon with us. Nope. Late morning with us and, uh, keep doing sweet things, man. Appreciate it. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks Blake. Thank you. Later, man. Later. Thank you for tuning in. Find more content at blakestreetbanter.com.